You know, can you imagine if you could rewind the tape and we were standing here at 2022 at the beginning of the year? Uh, who'd, have, who'd have thunk it, as they say? You know, you could not. I look back and I'd, would I have known that our granddaughter was going to win the state championship in high school soccer, Division uh, 5A Mariner High School champions. No, we wouldn't have known that. Uh, we wouldn't have known uh, a lot of things that were going to happen, both good and bad. I lost my two, two of my mentors uh, died last year, Jack Taylor and Peter Lord, within two months apart. They were dear friends, and they mentored Kim and I, and we had both of them uh, when we pastored on Sanibel. Uh, we had both of them out there, and they passed away last year. And so, you know, you just had a lot of, a lot of stuff you didn't know, and you never know. People that act like they know, I always kind of turn away from them because, you know, I'd like to have met the one that said, you're going to have a giant storm this year uh, named, you know, that guy I'd pay attention to. Didn't hear him. All the prophetic people out there pontificating this and that. How about you? How about just say that one noodle from the, the UK model? That one's right. Those 30 other noodles are idiots. How about that person? Where were they? You know, that weatherman, I, their batting average went up. A little late, uh, but it went up. But who'd have, who'd have thought? Right? You just don't. You know, that's the thing, uh, part of the adventure of life, the challenge of life, the, the, is the uncertainty. You know, and people think walking with Jesus brings certainty. That's just not true. Uh, it, it, if there's anything faith brings you is that there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, a lot of mystery, a lot of uh, surprises, good and bad. But ultimately, though, what faith does, it gives us the confidence that God's not shocked and God's in charge. And I never thought we'd sit here at having a food truck. I'm eating a hash brown uh, potatoes out of named Sweeter Than Honey food truck. And someone could have told me last year, you're going to have an 80 plus thousand dollar food truck that you're going to be able to take out. And I'll be like, okay, that's nice. That's a dream. Put it on the list. Oh, by the way, to get that food truck, you're going to go through a category five hurricane and uh, it's like, okay, well, we'll stick with the grill for a while and, and uh, let somebody else do the food truck. So we didn't, uh, we didn't know. We didn't know, and we don't know. You know, I'm hoping for a better year, a good year. But I know even some of we're celebrating some of you are on our prayer list. Uh, uh, our dear friends uh, up in uh, Tennessee, they watch online, and they're just kind, godly people. And She's been in need of a liver transplant for uh, the last uh, nine months, and they've been waiting on a match, uh, which is very, very difficult to get. And they got the call uh, just a few nights ago. They, got, they had to keep their bags packed for months. In fact, they got to the point where they had said that you only have a few months to live uh, if you don't get She's down to 100 pounds and a few months to live, and they got the call. And so we prayed with him. Kim actually got up. Lord woke her up in the middle of the night at the very time where she'd come out of her. We didn't know they were up there. They told us later. But uh, she, her body's accepted. The, the, the liver. Did I say kidney? It's liver. It's a liver. Uh, her body's accepted. Her name's Teresa. So what a way to start a new year with a new liver. Uh, and so pray for them just that, just so, you know, they didn't know, you know, and they, 
she was writing letters to her grandchildren to be read at their wedding whenever they got married because she didn't think she'd be around. Um, and, and they have that kind of faith. They, they weren't, uh, they, they, were, they were confident in God. And so this morning in the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about charting our course for 2023. Not in a predictive sense, but in a, you know, this is how I think is a good way to approach a new year. So to do that, we've got to do something on the front. And somebody in the back that is camera ready, phone will be fine. I want to get a picture of this uh, when we uh, get done. So do I see somebody back there moving and now Charles are on it? So uh, you'll probably want to be up in the, up in the thing uh, so you can look down. Okay, so I want you to stand up. Okay. There's no cheating. This is a test. Most of you will fail it. So be free. You started 2023 as a failure. Now the rest of the year is uphill. So you can. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Okay. You can use your right or your left hand. It doesn't matter. And you can turn your body. You don't have to just to. But I want you to close your eyes so you're not looking around. You're not influenced by someone that you may feel is navigationally smarter than you. (laughs) On the count of three, I want you to point and leave your hand up in the direction you think is true north. One, two, three, point. Now hold them up, hold them up. Okay, open your eyes, don't move, open your eyes. (laughs) O-M-G. Wow. Some of you, you're not flying with us today. Okay, honey, where are you at? You're over there at the Christmas tree. You know true north is the Christmas tree. That's the way to go. Now open up your little gift, and you can take all of the, I felt, I sensed, I thought, I prayed about it. Look at your compass. Wherever you hold it, it's going to point to where true north and then you can turn your compass to match where it's pointing to the end some of you have probably never seen a compass before maybe on your phone your phone app okay now i don't care where you felt it was or thought now some of you were close to accurate most no because you thought the building was really clearly built north south east and west which you can tell north is this If you haven't figured out how to use your compass yet, (laughs) north is this way. You don't have to argue. It's not a feeling. It's not a personality contest. It's not not how, you know, uh, smart you are. You can be real smart and be stupid with navigational abilities. We have a dear friend in the vineyard. He's one of the leading church leaders anywhere, and he's horribly navigationally challenged. So... You can argue about it. You can still keep pointing to where you thought. Or you got a compass. All right, now you can sit back down. Now that we've assured everybody that you need a compass. You need a navigator. You're not going to make it to the year end in your own navigational abilities. Let me just help you. You're not going to make it. And that's a good thing to learn. It's a good thing if you think you can make it 
and you don't need. So we're going to look in the Bible and a story that uh, is it's a really dramatic story. You can go home and spend some time reading it this week. We're going to be in the, the book of Acts chapter 27 for the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about a, a big storm, shocker, a shipwreck, and snake bite. Storm, shipwreck, snake bite. We won't get to the snake bite today. Uh, we'll get to some of the shipwreck, but not but mainly talk about the storm. But this is a true story. It wasn't written just for historic reasons. The book of Acts was written by a, a, a doctor, Luke, and he's writing it to a group of believers that that meet with uh, somebody named Theophilus, which means the lover of God. He's wanting to set out the story after Jesus. And so the book of Acts is a, it's a power. It's really, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's really Acts of the Holy Spirit. Now, he takes a whole entire, actually he takes several chapters for the Apostle Paul to get from where he is to Rome. He's had this thing in his heart to go to Rome for many years. It's a bucket list, but it's not like a fun, ha-ha, I've always wanted to go there. It's God has a purpose in me. He even wrote a whole book, the book of Romans, 16 chapters to these people, the church in Rome, before he'd ever been there. And in the first chapter, he talks about, I've prayed, I'm passionate, I want to come, but I've been hindered. Life had just stopped him. Ultimately, God's timing had not been right for him to go to Rome. So he gets on trial in chapters 25 and 26, and he's on trial for his faith. And there's his persecutors are trying to trap him into saying that he's disrupted their nation, Israel. And, and so the Roman government's officials are who he stands before. And he, at, finally at one point he screams, I appeal to Caesar. Well, he was a Roman citizen. He had the right to appeal to the highest power in the world, the, the head of the Roman Empire, the Caesar. And he appealed. Once you appeal, all arguments are over. Now it's their responsibility to get you to Caesar, which basically he got a free trip to Rome. He could have gotten out of the charges, but instead he said, I appeal to Caesar. So now he set a course. Why would he do that? Because God had told him, not just that he had a desire, but God had said, you're going to go to Rome and preach the gospel. A pretty clear assignment. So for Paul, true north was getting to Rome. Now, we know it's, a, it's going to be an interesting thing as you, as you read this because it's not an allegory like a spiritual uh, truths out of a literal story, which it, but it, it is. But it's a real story of a storm, a shipwreck, and in chapter 28, a snake bite. But you've got to understand that this is a picture of the journey of faith. And Paul would have never made it to where he's wanting to go. Uh, throw that map, if you would, up on the board. Uh, he didn't, he'd have never made it without a, without a compass. Now, back then, they didn't have those kind of compasses. But what he did have is the Holy Spirit. Though you'll find in this story no reference necessary to the Holy Spirit. What you will see is the word wind six times in chapter 27 and then the seventh time in 28. 
Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it's come from. You don't know where it's going. You can't control it. You can't. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a compass. It's called the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. He's the only one that knows true north, which is the will of God, where God wants you to be, pointing you to Jesus. True north for a believer is Jesus. It's not a destination. It's not even heaven. True north is where Jesus is, where he wants you to be, what he wants you to do. So Paul's got this in him to go. So he's down here in, in Jerusalem, and he goes into these various trials that he goes in, and then finally gets on this ship in this weird named city that I can't pronounce. And uh, uh, why do they have it all the way up there? That is weird. Anyway, where did you find this map? But anyway, so anyway, he's going to take a ship. He's going to go. It's not, it's not like, whoop, get to Rome. It's not a straight line. It's somewhere in here. There's ship. They're in the storm. And it just, it, it just, it's, it's insane. They go 14 days without food. Uh, they finally crash on some little island and spend the winter there. Uh, and there's some uncertainty about, uh, about all of the navigation. But I just wanted to give you a little feel of from, from down here. This is, uh, this is uh, Greece here. This is Italy here. And this is where Turkey is. Uh, now and you know up here Constantinople or Istanbul is it there okay so let's go to Acts 27 so we're in this right now I'm not that my point of this story is not to say I'm predicting more storms that's not the point you know the the it, it's it's probably pretty unlikely that we're going to have another category five hurricane I, I'm just going to go out on the limb and say that's probably not going to happen uh, it was a once in a century for our area storm. I'm not going to say it tonight. But I will tell you this, though. Every year, every life, you're going to face some storms. You're going to, it could be a, a physical storm. I, we've got a couple in the church, and she's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And, and just, uh, you know, at a younger age. And that's, a, that's bigger than a Category 5. I'll never forget uh, one of my heroes who he wrote a, a little uh, short story on the storm out of the eye of the storm, Jay Lawrence, who's been in a, a wheelchair uh, since he was in his uh, early 20s as a quadriplegic. And he's told me one time, he said, you know, Jamie, it, physical suffering is hard. But you know what's harder than physical suffering? I'm like, what could be harder? Emotional suffering. People with emotional pain, despair, depression, hopelessness, suicidal thoughts. Storms come. Relational storms happen. You're unexpected. They can crash on you. Kids can make horrible decisions. Uh, you know, and, and so the only thing certain is that as a believer, you're going to go through storms. And there will be times you're going to have a shipwreck. And there's times you're going to get snake bit. And so I want to kind of talk about how do you navigate through those things, not with a sense of dread and fear of, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? I mean, is it going to, we didn't get up last year and think there's going to be a war in Ukraine. Nobody thought that. We didn't think Russia's going to invade Ukraine. We may have thought some psycho in North Korea might have done so. We didn't know. You know, we didn't, we, you just don't know. The world is so unsettled and uncertain. And there's, anybody can pro prognostic, 
what's the word? Pronosticate? Anyway, predict this, that, and the other thing, economic, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, what do they know? Uh, yeah, they could be right. They may not. They're like those noodles. You know, you always got somebody that's going to have an idea that might be right and, and on the hurricane map. So Paul is on a mission to go to Rome because God told him to. He doesn't think there's going to be storms. He's just following Jesus. And, and so let's pick up the story and let's see what we can learn out of this story as we go through, as we set our course for 2023. Verse 1. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some of the other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. So he's a Roman soldier in charge, and Paul's a prisoner here. Remember that. Now, verse 2, we. I circle that in my Bible because it's a turning point. We is the author of this book, Luke, including himself in the story. So you're going to see Paul had some people with him. He didn't travel alone which is a great spiritual principle as we walk through 2023. No matter how good you think your compass is, there's going to be times you need somebody else's compass. There's times your compass isn't working great. There's times you're not hearing from the Lord clearly. There's times that you're going to need friends. Verse 2, we boarded a ship for hard word about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out the sea, aristocrat. Aristarchus. He, you find him earlier in Acts, he gets uh, persecuted uh, for the faith, but he mentions him as one of the friends. A Macedonian from Thessalonica was with us. So there's a, at least three of them. There could have been more. They didn't have to be on that ship. Paul's the prisoner. They're going along for support. You know, my wife and I have made a, a, a we just, you just don't travel alone. But even now, if you have to, you have to. That's an emergency situation. But I'm talking about you know, doing, whenever we go somewhere uh, to Africa or we take a mission trip, we never go alone. And, and we don't just go by ourselves. We always take, because we're big babies and we need somebody to help take care of us. That's just reality. I need someone to figure out how to use the different, you know, whatever technology. And, you know, Paul was no different. He needed people. You're going to need people this year. And one of, my, one of my goals, if you want to keep a good compass, if you want to find true north this year, in a few weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to get on a boat called a small group with a small group of people that are all committed to follow Jesus in whatever way he leads. Some of you wouldn't have made it this year without a small group. Your small group was your lifeline. Your small group was your help. We've had small groups in the church helping restore homes. We've had small groups in the church hug and say goodbye to people that have had to move. We've had small groups rally around people and bring them food. Small groups are the lifeline of our church. You can't, this is good, but this cannot take the place of two or more gathered in a, in a, in a home or even a Zoom meeting online connectedness, being connected with other believers as you navigate these waters. So Paul doesn't travel alone. Verse 3, the next day we landed at Sidon and Julius in kindness to Paul allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. I, I just, there's so much there. I'm just so grateful. We, we wouldn't have made it in 2022 without friends. Uh, we're, we, we had friends that that, that came here and just cried with us. 
leaders. We had friends that brought teams here. We had friends that showed up with thousands of dollars in checks and gave them to us. We had friends that just cried on the phone. We had friends that said, buddy, I'd give my right arm if I could be down there helping you run that chainsaw right now. Friends, you know, I just, we're just grateful to be part of his body, that these aren't fair weather friends. And, you know, to be honest, there's some people I've yet to hear from. That doesn't mean they're not a friend, but I just, you wonder, you wonder, I wonder, have they gone through something? Would I, would I be that way? Could I see someone somewhere else that I know go through a Category 5 storm catastrophic and never pick up the phone and call them? I'm telling you on my Santa naughty list, they're on that. I love them, but something's wrong that you can't pick up. Then others surprised me and called me. I had people check on me that I didn't even think liked me. That's true. And I know I don't like them. And so, but I like them better now that they checked on me. It's amazing how that works. But we've been so loved on. Our national director came down here with his wife and cried with us. I mean, that was unexpected. And our super regional leader, Joel, spoke here. You're going to see him in a minute. Uh, you'll catch a glimpse of him. But he was, he was among us. And so we just say for 2023, you can't just find friends when you need them. You know, if you're not networked, connected, take an, make an effort this year to make some friends. Serve together with some people in the church. Be in a small group together. Go to our next UIO meeting that we'll have it, and sometime in the next couple weeks after the second service and, and, and find out how to be committed in the church and, and build some friendships this year. Now, now, so Paul's got these friends meeting his needs, verse 4. From there, we, we put out the sea again. We pass to, to, to the lee of Cyprus because the winds, there's our word. You're going to see it over. Because the winds were against us. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's against them here. It's not the point. It's just an emphasis that the wind is working uh, through this story. Verse 5, when we sailed across the open sea of the coast of Sicilia to Pamphylia, we landed in Myra and Lycia, Lycia or whatever. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and we put us on board. Now, there's like 276 people. This is a big boat for back then. We made slow headway for many days, difficulty arriving in Sindias. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite of Salome. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost. Sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. And that was a religious uh, fast that they would have the Day of Atonement. And what it meant was the time of year, it's getting later in the year, it's getting towards winter, and so the, the seas are going to pick up. Verse 9, much time, had, had, uh, we read that. 
By now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, verse 10. Now remember, he's a prisoner here. He's not the captain. But you can't stop a leader from leading. And a man with a compass is the man that becomes, or woman, becomes in charge when the rest don't know what to do. You watch that in this story. Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship, cargo, and to even our own lives. Now, this is a prophetic warning. Paul, from his compass inside, had a a check, had a caution, a whisper that Pastor Kim talked about, a whisper of, be careful. There's trouble ahead. Now, one of the things about the compass is, When you listen to the Holy Spirit, he's always going to point you towards where Jesus wants you to go. He rarely is going to tell you what's going to happen between where you are and where he wants you to go. The point of the compass isn't to say what the terrain is going to be like, what the temperature is going to be. Like we like to know all the facts ahead of time. We pay billions of dollars as a country to have all the technological experts to show us where we can find safety and how we can avoid this storm or be ready for this tornado or this earthquake or this whatever. You know, no one, nobody was predicting COVID in 2020 in January. There maybe was some whispers about some, nobody was, nobody had, there was way more said about the bird flu. If you go back and remember that, we were buying masks back when the bird flu, what what year would have that been? Anybody remember bird flu year when we have fear? Nobody remembers? It was some, it was, it's been back. And we were jacked up, worried about it, thinking through, you know, and nothing. And the very thing you're not ready for, it hits you, and we have to navigate that storm. And we did, and God gave us his compass, and we navigated Ian. So Paul, he's got this sense of, hey, be careful. Now, let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit uses somebody in your life with spiritual authority, someone that has some, some credibility to you, and they caution you, pay attention. Now, remember... You can discredit Paul. How could you, let me see a hint. How could you discredit him right now? Let me see a hint. What would you do to, if you were, if you were on that boat, what would you do to discredit Paul? Let me see a hint. What would you do? Yes. What do you, what do you know? Actually, he's been on a lot of ships, though. He has, but, but he's not a captain. What else? You're a prisoner. You're a loser. You're guilty of something. Who are you? Now listen to me. The world hates the people to have a clear voice that don't have the credibility that they want to have to give that clear voice. But Paul has a compass. They don't. And he says, be careful. I don't think we should move ahead. Stop. Verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the ex, the pilot, the captain. The expert. Experts know, don't they? Dr. Fauci knows, doesn't he? He's, don't go there. It's 2023. (laughs) But he's an expert. He knows. 
Yeah, he knows. <laughs> and the news is filled with experts and they pontificate. That's what they do for a living. They just, they're just talking heads. They're on the radio and they're, they're expert. But that doesn't make them your compass. And it was so embarrassing for Christians in our church to get caught up in these conspiracy things. It's people without a compass. You're listening to someone that sounds like they know what they're talking about because it's secret knowledge. Just, just go by the compass. Where does, where's the Holy Spirit say you should go here? Go to Jesus. We're going to need that compass in the elections. What's G? How are we going to navigate these waters? You got to listen to the Holy Spirit. You got to be in the Word of God. You need God's clarity and direction. No matter what, we're going good times, prosperous times. What do you do when it's prosperous time? Maybe God will say, put some money aside for lean times coming. Don't just assume it's always going to be prosperous. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just saying, Paul says, be careful. Wait a minute. There's a caution of, 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 and whatever that is in your own life, whoever that would be. And sometimes it's one of your pastors or it could be a friend and, and just, and maybe they don't have, there's been so many times in the past where my wife has tried to caution me about something that she knew nothing about. And I discredited her. Because she didn't know about that. But she knew Jesus, and she had a compass. And afterwards, it'd be like, mm, told you. <laughs> but how did you, you don't know anything about, you don't know how, you don't know it. But the Lord had said, be careful, be careful. So they don't listen, because the experts know more than you do. Isn't that, isn't that intimidating? The experts know more, but you have a compass. Don't ever be intimidated. Somebody that has an argument is always at the mercy of someone that has a compass. Because you can argue all you want which way you ought to go, but when you have a compass, you know which way to go. You follow Jesus. So Paul says, no, no, be careful, be careful. Instead of listening to him, listen to Pop, verse 12. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, now don't miss this, the majority decided. Democratic. Come on. The majority. Do you know in the Bible, because I lived through this as a, as a uh, pastor early on on Sanibel, which is we've yet to be out there. It's just too emotional for us. We spent 17 years of our life out there. And uh, we'll go. But I had to lead our church out of a congregational government, which is you vote on everything. I had the minutes from one of our early meetings, business meetings. So-and-so said that the phonograph in the nursery, some of you don't know what that is, but turntable, you know, you, you, you said that phonograph was not working Oh, in the nursery. So they couldn't play nursery song rhymes. Well, so-and-so said they knew somebody that worked on them. And then so-and-so said it might be better to just buy a new one than to get it worked on. And then so-and-so said that they thought that maybe we should try getting a different system. Literally, a half hour of our lives, and then it says this in the minutes. It was decided upon to wait and not make a decision. Now, these are grown people that ran corporations. That was the problem with it. Who was, I'm 22. 
I'm leading a corporation called the church, and they want to argue with me about whether we ought to buy a phonograph. Let me tell you something. I don't ask anybody's opinion about buying a phonograph anymore. We lead. We have a budget. We have a church council. They oversee the budget, which, by the way, 2022 was our best year financially we've ever had in the life of this church. It was, it was not close. It was, uh, and that's with giving thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars away. Funny how that works. Some of you might want to try that this year. Try to outgive God. Try to honor God with your tithe. Try to say, God, if you bless me, whatever it is, I'm going to give 10% back to you. I'm going to worship you this year with my giving. And at the end of the year, if you're not better off, we'll give you the money back. I mean, it's just, I'm not going to be the sham wow guy, but I'm going to say it, wow Jesus guy, because it, it, he's just faithful. Part of the compass, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he's going to say, honor gone. We've had a phenomenal year. It was just, we had baptisms and rang the bell and we've grown and, and other churches have been stagnant and I'm not comparing. I'm humbled by it. I'm just grateful for our team. You'll see in a minute why. I believe God, as you see the story of this church through crisis and, and just the way God has met us. And I'm off the, where was I? I was going down a path that wasn't about tithing. It was a, what is it? Paul. Oh, the majority. Who said majority? Thank you, Mary. Someone give her an extra compass. The only one, that, that's when it's paralyzing as a pastor. We're only talking like three minutes ago, and none of you had any idea what I was talking about. Should I continue on? These are those moments it's like, man, what's the point? It was a vital point. They don't remember. I don't remember. None of us remember. You better get a compass. If you think I'm your compass, you're in trouble. You just better pray that we listen to him as our compass. Amen? Now, what was it again, Mary? Because I've forgotten. It's a... Majority. Majority in the Bible, if you do a study all through the Old Testament, the majority every time was wrong. Every time. Israel, oh, we don't want to go into the promised land. Ten out of the twelve said no, so they didn't go. I mean, you go through the whole, the majority is always wrong. And I'm telling you, the majority, whatever the popular stuff is out there, you can almost guess if it's really popular, it's wrong. Just be suspect of it. If it's going everywhere and it's viral and everybody's in, just step back and go, I'm going to go with, I'll be in the minority and be right than be in the majority and be really wrong. Don't feel better because there's a lot of people that agree. There's a lot of people that would say, you don't need Jesus. There's a lot of people that would say, you don't need the Bible. The Bible's a stupid book. There's, a lot, there's the majority of people that would make fun of the Holy Spirit being your compass. So you got a choice to make this year. And, and, and I would hope that you're surrounded with people that will reinforce what God is saying through you as your compass, not challenging you as these people did to Paul. Now, here's what almost always happens when you 
disavow, don't listen to, reject, don't pay attention to wise counsel. This almost always happens. Verse 13. Then a gentle south wind began to blow. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind like a hurricane blew on them. But it felt right. It seemed like, you know, it was working out. I rejected wise counsel. I didn't listen to those that had prayerfully advised me. I took my own route. I went with the crowd. And, you know, it was working out. You can't judge a decision. you got to give a decision time to unfold. You can't judge it on the merits of in that immediate time. It takes time to look back and say, and there should be, as you look back in 2022, there should be some decisions you realize... Mm, shouldn't have made that. Okay, learn from it. Don't beat yourself up. As a church staff, we gather, we celebrate our wins, our victories. We celebrate what God did. But then we're going to have a meeting here in a couple weeks, and we're going to celebrate what didn't go well. Not really celebrate. That's the wrong word. We're going to uh, die. What's it called? Uh, an autopsy. And one of the rules is you cannot autopsy somebody else's ministry. You can do your own. But you, your goal is not to tell someone else where their ministry didn't do well. They're going to come up with their own, just like they came up with their own wins. We celebrated. I mean, we had a list that was just phenomenal of what God did in 20, between the conference that we hosted that was just an amazing blowout party that we served and loved on and kind and our trips that we took to Burundi and the jewelry that we brought and the youth that went to Puerto Rico and and just the year that was just the amazing things that God did at the women's retreat. Who'd have thought ladies at the women's retreat that you'd have less than a month later Ian to deal with? We didn't know that but God was doing some things. That we had a uh, one of the our baptist person getting baptized she gave her heart to Jesus our grandson's girlfriend gave her heart to Jesus at the women's retreat I mean we had a we had so many good things last year so when the soft wind blows don't just go by the emotions of the moment it felt good at the time it's got to be deeper your compass has to be deeper than does it feel good does it or do your friends agree with you Sometimes you, your compass, you have to stop and say, Lord, I don't want what feels good, seems right, or sounds smart to other people. If it's not right, would you? I, I, I check things. We never make big decisions in this church without running it through our, 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 our grid of people that we check with. What do you feel? How do you think? What do you do? What do you pray about that? What do you, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's safety net. These people thought, hey, Paul's an idiot. Can you imagine when the wind started going? They all went, you're a moron, Paul. You ought to be a prisoner. And then all of a sudden, the hurricane came. He became the weatherman. Can you imagine his credibility? See, when you have people in your life that give you cautions or warnings or wisdom, and, and it, 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 it pays off, you ought to pay attention. Go back to them. It pays off. They build a bank account, a batting average. 
Uh, how, how, instead of that, yeah, I don't know. I think you ought to. No, that Paul, is, he's, he's taking over the ship. He's taking over the ship. I believe, whether it's in companies, corporations, families, the person with the compass is going to have so much opportunity to be a blessing and to help people in the days ahead. If, if whatever storms come, in, in Ian, it was our church that rose up with hope. We, we lit a candle. We lit a lamp. We lit a bonfire. We let this whole community know God's at work. Now, I'm going to jump ahead here because I'm about out of time. But I just, it, we're going to come back and come back into the story. But it gets really bad, really painful. They lose, it, it, they lose all hope. Uh, the storm gets so bad. And we're going to go back through this. Uh, they lose all hope. But in, in, in verse 33, I want to just jump down to that. Because we'll come back, and I just don't want to cheat you from the story. But Paul says in verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense. You've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. This is a guy with faith. Now he's, he's got calm in the middle of the storm. It's one thing to find calm after Ian. It's another thing to be calm in an Ian. When I look at our friends, it's one thing to be calm when they found they got a, a liver match. But they were calm when they didn't know they had a match. And she had decided they had made a hard decision to stop doing chemo. Because it was making her so sick, violently ill. But if they didn't do chemo, the, the tumor could grow. And if the tumor grows, they'd no longer be a candidate for the transplant. And they had to make a hard call. How do you do that? You've got to have a compass. You cried out to Jesus. And they said, you know, we're going to stop it through the holidays. She got her appetite back, was able to be with her family. And the tumor didn't grow. And so she was able to get that transplant. But there's this point. In the story, and I don't want you to miss this, because this to me is, is so many commentaries that you probably won't get to read, but they, 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 most of them miss this. But it says in verse 35, after this, he's took, now there's four things. It's all in the gospel accounts. Every time Jesus taught about the, what we would call the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, or communion, there's always four steps to it. Number one, he took some bread. Number two, he gave thanks. That's where we get the word Eucharist. It means to give thanks. He gave thanks to God in front of them all. Number three, he broke the bread. This is communion. It doesn't say it. I don't think he got all religious and said, oh, let's all get religious here. We're going to take some word that you can't even pronounce, Eucharist, and we're going to... But he brought the presence of God into the middle of the storm. They've not arrived. They're still in turmoil, but they're going to find a strength, a witness, a hope. They're going to take what true north is, which is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to center them, not in an anchor that's going to be broken, not in a ship that's going to be crushed and collapsed, not in goods that they're going to throw overboard, but he's going to anchor them. In Jesus Christ, he took it, he broke it, and they began to eat. Verse 36, they were all encouraged and ate food themselves. Altogether, there was 276 on board. Now listen to me. 
this year, we're going to need to commune together. And sometimes you'll do that in your groups. Sometimes you'll do it as a couple maybe. But you're going to need to find, if this compass tells you anything, it says come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. This Holy Spirit compass inside. If you don't have him in there, then he's wooing you now saying come to Jesus.